Welcome to the Pursuit Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. We believe in being real about what the Bible says, simple in how we convey it, and intentional in how we pursue Him. Uh, my name's Logan Farabee. Y'all might recognize me. You might have already seen me at Pursuit before. If you have, it's probably because I've been back there at the soundboard. That's usually where I am. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to, to Davis and Graham and Stephen. You know, we, don't, we don't get a whole lot of love back there sometimes, so, they, so y'all are y'all the goats. Yeah. Um, just a couple quick things about me. I'm, I'm a sophomore here at Troy. Uh, I'm a business major currently. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, but that's definitely subject to change because I have no idea what I want to do, right? So uh, we'll just have to see how that goes. <laughs> um, I'm from Eufaula, uh, the big bustling metropolis of Eufaula, Alabama, right? <laughs> um, my message tonight that I have is it's nothing real complicated. It's, it's real straightforward, real simple. Um, but I do believe it's, it's something that God's put on my heart. And uh, I believe He put it on my heart um, for the purpose of, of sharing it, you know. So um, I, I just appreciate this opportunity to get up here and speak, you know. Uh, Chase asked me earlier this week to, if I wanted to come and speak, and I took him up on that offer. You know, this is definitely not, not my normal routine, not my, my comfort zone, but I think it's good that a lot of times that we get to break those routines and break those, you know, step out of those comfort zones. So, you know, if y'all just bear with me tonight, we'll, we'll get through this, all right? <laughs> um, uh, y'all can, if y'all have your Bible, you can go ahead and you can turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we'll be. Um, my message kind of ties in with a story of something that happened to me uh, several years ago. Uh, it's a story about quail hunting. And whenever I was kind of... <laughs> yeah, all right. That wasn't supposed to be the laughing point, but that's okay. <laughs> Good crowd. That's fine. Um, but whenever I was kind of... I was thinking about like working this, like getting this message up. I thought about like, you know, not everybody in here is going to know exactly like what quail hunting is, you know. So I thought just in order to get us all on the same page, that's going to kind of give us like a little little crash course in quail hunting. So we're, you know, it doesn't sound like I'm just talking Greek up here. Everybody kind of knows what I'm talking about. Um, so just to simplify it, uh, I said there's, there's three main components in quail hunting. And then there's going to be a plus one just for my story. But you'll kind of understand. We'll, we'll get to that in a little while. The first main component of quail hunting is the quail. Now quail are... Yeah, that'll preach right there. <laughs> the quail, all right, so the quail, quail are real small, tiny little birds, and they're not real, even though they're birds, they're not really good at flying. They, they mostly stay on the ground. And quail form uh, like coveys or groups of other quail on the ground, like real thick, tall briars and, and grass and like real thick underbrush. And, um, and that's like, that's, that makes them feel more safe, so that's where they stay. Uh, the second main component of quail hunting is the bird dog, and this one's a little more self-explanatory, maybe. Okay, but um, okay, the the bird dogs are are just trained dogs. What they do is they use their nose and their eyes to find the quail on the ground. And once they locate the quail on the ground, they do what's called pointing. Now I've conveniently wore a shirt tonight to demonstrate what a dog does when it points. Okay, all right. So that's 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 what the bird dogs do when they point. Now they just they just make like a statue with their bodies. They turn to eyes and they point you know, on the, on the quail where they found them. The third main component of quail hunting is the hunter. Um, the hunter waits for the bird, the bird dogs to point, and once they see the bird dogs point the quail, they know where they're at, so they line up behind the bird dogs, they wait for the bird dogs to flush the quail out of the ground, and then they shoot them. So sorry about all the animal lovers out in the crowd, but that's just what's gotta happen. It's a lot of fun though, believe it or not. Now the fourth main component I have from, from my story 
is what I mentioned just a while ago with the quail's briars. Now, if you don't, if you've never heard the term briars, it's just an old southern term, I guess. I don't know for like real thick grass, like weed-like grass. It's it's prickly and it's real sharp, and it'll cut you if you're not real careful. Um, so I guess since we're kind of on the same page, you know, and I'm not going to be talking Greek anymore. If y'all kind of understand like the main gist of quail hunting, I kind of go ahead and jump to my story. So several years ago. Um, we were on my family's farm in back in Eufaula, and we were, you guessed it, we were quail hunting. <laughs> and um, so the bird dog, we'd been hunting a little while that day, and the, and the bird dogs had kind of gotten up ahead of us, and they were like running trying to find the birds. And so, uh, so we could see them. We, we needed to get up ahead where they were so we could see them when they pointed. Well, we were, we were walking kind of fast. We're, we're getting up, trying to get up where they were. It was, we were walking in the line. It was me. And then it was my dad, who's nicknamed Skeeter. Yeah, I should have said that. If y'all, y'all might have heard me say my name's Logan, and y'all, you're probably thinking, I hear everybody call you Scooter. So your, game, your name can't be Logan. Well, that's fine. If you see me around campus or you see me anywhere, my name's Scooter, my name's Logan. That's my nickname. Either one's fine. So you can call me either one. So my dad's nickname is Skeeter. That's where it kind of originates from, okay? <laughs> so it was me in a line. It was me, my dad, Skeeter, and it was his brother, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're walking in line trying to get to the bird dogs and about probably maybe 20 or 25 yards behind us was my dad's cousin Todd and his son Trent so they're so they're trying to like you know, they're walking with us and obviously I've got my back turned to them we're, we're trying to get to the bird dogs and then just out of nowhere all of a sudden all you hear is this loud boom a shotgun just went off and at the split second that happened I hear like, it sounds like a rain stick. All, all the shotgun pellets are hitting around my feet, all of the trees around me. And I'm like, holy crap, I almost just got shot. What the heck just that? Was it, is a quail on top of my head? Did somebody just get shot? Did I get shot? The first reaction I had to that was I hit the dang deck, okay? I did not want to get shot. I was, I was freaking out trying to figure out if somebody got shot or if somebody was hurt. Now, it turns out that Trent, his shotgun went off behind us by accident, and it just happened to be pointing in the general direction of where we were. So after we kind of got that figured out and nobody was hurt, thankfully, and we got to continue on quail hunting that day, you know. So, so Satan, I mean, uh, Trent was a bad guy that day. <laughs> I actually time on my lesson a little bit, in a little bit. But um, now I didn't just really get up here to tell you about how the day I almost got shot. I wanted you to take two things away from my story. The first is obviously the, the shotgun pellets that hit all around me. Now I need to drink some water. Name my mouth is dry. <laughs> <laughs> There's two things I want you to take away from my story. The first is the fact that all the shotgun pellets hit all around me. And the second is the fact that whenever I heard that happen, I got down on the ground. I got all in those briars and stuff that those quail stay in. Now, I think we can take the story and kind of twist it into a spiritual perspective. Let's just say, let's think of it like this. Let's say that Trent was Satan. Now, he was definitely Satan that day because he almost shot me, okay? All right, the second thing we can kind of, we can kind of twist in that story is... Um, the same thing, we, we, the, Trent is Satan, <laughs> kind of getting twisted up here, and the pellets, we can say the pellets represent temptation, okay? And the third thing we can kind of twist in that story is the briars that I found myself laying in because I almost got shot, we'll call the briars sin. So if you, if you look in your Bible where I turn to turn, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, we can read, just starting with verse 1, that's where we'll be. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, 
And I think the Scripture lines up perfectly like what we as Christians deal with on a daily basis. We've all sinned and we've all fallen in temptation at some point. You know, we're, we're in this room, we're all, everybody is unique. If there's one thing we've got in common, we've all, we've all fallen into that temptation. We've all sinned. And I think there, the, the word in the Scripture, it says so easily entangles. I think that that's such a, that's such a like, undervalued word in that Scripture because it it's, it's got a lot of meaning. Because if it just said sin that entangles, that just kind of implies that, well, it's just an, it's an everyday thing. But the fact that it says easily, that just means that, you know, the fact that it says easily is, um, geez. You, I, so y'all can tell that getting up here and speaking is not my forte. That's why I'm back there buying symbols. Y'all just bear with me, okay? <laughs> but the fact that it says easily entangles, that implies that, um, that uh, geez. The fact that it says easily entangles <laughs> is that uh, it's, it's a lot harder to do the right thing. It's a lot harder to do the right thing. But because, you know, the wrong things, like that temptation that we see, like the shotgun pellets hitting all around us, that temptation that's all around us, it's a lot easier to, to see that and want to go and do those things, want to fall into that temptation. Um, but that's just, that's, we're all sinners by nature, and we're all sinners by choice. Just like those bird dogs, the day those bird dogs are born, they are hardwired to want to point at quail. It doesn't, they, they can't be taught. It just, this just comes naturally to them. That's just how they're born. And we're just, we're, as Christians, we're kind of the same way in the fact that we're hardwired when we're born. We want to do the wrong thing. We fall into that temptation. That's just our natural inclination is to do the wrong thing and fall into sin. And pretty soon, we keep on sinning and that temptation, it, it, it becomes the norm. It becomes like engulfs. It becomes that lifestyle, right? So the more and more we sin, the, you know, the, the easier it is to kind of kind of fall into that temptation and get into that sin. And those briars that we get into, that sin, we fall into that temptation and sin, the briars that we get into from, you know, it starts off as little scratches and little, you know, little scrapes. Pretty soon, it starts cutting a little deeper and a little deeper and we start bleeding, right? Um, that, talking about this, uh, talking about sin, whenever I was thinking about this lesson, uh, this will be my last story, I promise. <laughs> it, it reminded me of this story that uh, whenever... Whenever I was probably about five or six years old, uh, it was about it was around Christmas time because I went over to my grandmother's house and apparently uh, one of her friends had given her like this Christmas ornament shaped Coca Cola bottle, and she thought that that thing was just the rarest of the rarest of its kind, one of one, nothing else like it. She told me when I got to her house, she said, "Logan, do not touch my Coke bottle. Definitely don't drink it. It's, it's really special to me. And it was because a friend gave it to her. She said, it's, there's nothing like it. They don't make a lot of these. It's, it's really rare. That's all she needed to say. I heard her say that, and the first thing I went to go do when I knew she wasn't watching was I went to go find that Coke bottle, and I went to drink some Coke. So I would ease in there to the, I'd ease into her kitchen, and I'd see it on her counter. And when I knew she wasn't looking, I'd grab it off the, off the counter, I'd crack it open, and I'd drink a little swallow. And then I'd, crack, and I'd put it back. And I, I kept easing in there. When I knew she wasn't looking, I'd crack it open, keep taking some sips, put it back. And pretty soon, I kept taking sips after sip after sip, and pretty soon it was like half full. And so, well, I got myself in a mess now. Might as well drink it all. So I turned it on up and I drank it. <laughs> then my grandmother found out, and she was not happy. And I don't, I don't know if y'all have ever been whipped with a fly swatter. <laughs> Let me just tell you, my grandmama can make one hurt. And I ain't talking about like the wire, like coat hanger looking in. I'm talking about the flimsy, and it would tear me up and it hurt. And that's exactly what she did. 
But it's it's kind of instead of just like a silly story talking about me and you know, being a little boy doing what I'm told I'm not doing what I'm told not to do. Uh, it's kind of the same way with sin, right? So we, we take those small little sips of sin, and and we we keep on we keep on going back and we're going back. And we're like you know, nah, that, this one sip it's not gonna hurt. This one little sip it's not gonna hurt. We do the same thing with sin. You know, we we, we dabble in it, we dabble, in it, and pretty soon we find ourselves in a mess, right? You know. You know, you probably think, well, he's gotten up here telling everybody how they sin so much. Well, the good news about that is it doesn't end there. That's that's the good news. The bad news is the sin. The good news is we all we all have one thing in common, which is we all sin. We all have got another thing in common, and that's the fact that we all have a God that loves us and cares for us. And that he not only did he die on the cross for us, but he did it for every single one of our sins. If you look in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 5 through 6, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. And then if you look at this verse 6, this is really big to me. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I think as Christians, we, we need to grab a hold of that, that last Scripture. We need, to, we need to take that and run with it because that's so, that's so huge. The fact that He says, I doubt on the cross for your sins and that you can, that can be done away with. That old body, that old flesh, that old, that old sin, all that bad stuff, that's, that's, that's done away with. And we don't have to be slaves to sin. Where it says we're so easily entangled by that sin, where He says, you don't have to. That's gone. We don't have to be slaves to that sin anymore. If there's one thing I'm guilty of, and saying, well, you know, my sins are too big. My sins are too bad. My sins are too big. Well, God's saying, it doesn't matter. My, my, your sin your is not too big for me. I'm, I'm way bigger than any sin you've ever committed because that's why my cross, that's why I died on the cross for your sins. I don't know if y'all like to go fishing. I, I, like, I like to go fishing somewhat, but not a whole lot. Um, some of y'all might like to go fishing. Some of y'all might think next to golf, fishing is the most boring thing on the planet. Well, there's one thing we can all agree on when it comes to fishing. No fisherman has ever cleaned a fish before he caught it. I'm going to say it again. No fisherman has ever cleaned a fish before he caught it. And God's saying the exact same thing. He's saying, I can't help you unless you let me. He says, I want your heart. I want your sins. I want you to give it all to me. But I can't do that unless you let me. It says in, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, He says he wants to run, he, we want to run that race that He set before us. He wants to run that race with us. He wants to run us all the way. We're going to lose that race every single time if we don't have Him with us. But He wants to have our heart. He wants to have our sin. He wants us to give it all to Him. But we, He can't do that unless we let Him. He can't cleanse us unless we let Him cleanse us. You know, I have a, when it comes to sin, I have, a, I have a reoccurring pattern saying, you know, well, I'm not really worthy enough to go to God with that sin. That sin's too big. I've already said that. That sin's too big, but... You know, I can I can fix it myself. I can I can kind of try, I can try to work this out myself. I, you know, before before I go to God with that, I can try to try to work things out myself, kind of clean clean myself up a little bit. And then whenever I get a little more worthy, a little more appropriate, I can I can go to God with it. And he, can, he can take care of the rest. Well, it just does. Let me tell you from personal experience: the more and the more that I've tried to clean myself up, the worse it's got. The sins either stay there or it's gotten worse, and that means that it's got worse, right? Um, <clears throat> but God's, that's what God's trying to tell us. God's trying to tell us with our sin. He says, you know, uh, 
Just get coming. Just bring it to me. He says, he, "I want you. I want to have all all your sins because I've already died on the cross for all of those sins. He shed He shed His blood on that cross for all of our sins we'd ever commit. Not the ones we've already committed. Not the ones we're committing now. But the ones we would always we would ever commit. He's already died on the cross for all those sins. He, you're all, you know you know you hear people say, well, you know I've done I've done some of the, the hardest drugs in the world. You know I've done I've done more drugs than you could ever probably think about. Well, God's saying, give it to me." He said, Give it. He said, Give it to me. What about all the premarital sex? I've had so much premarital God says, Give it to me. What about all the alcohol? I go out and party. I go out and drink. What was God going to cover that? He says, Give it to me. You might say, Well, my sins are too big. My sins are too great. Well, God says, I'm greater. My sins, my list of my sins go on and on and on. God says, Well, my cross goes on and my cross goes on and my cross goes on. So I think I think tonight the I mean, like I said, my, my message ain't, ain't real complicated. It's pretty simple. But you know, I think I think as Christians, we're so guilty of just of, of dabbling in that sin and, and kinda and trying to maybe trying to clean it up ourselves or, or, or just keep falling into the same temptation over and over again. When God said He wants He wants to have our sins, He wants us to give it to Him. He wants us to give it to Him. Man, y'all can go ahead and come on back up. Um, so just to kind of kind of wrap up what I've already said, um, you know, we, we might see the the temptation that, that Satan throws our way, just like those shotgun pellets I heard hitting all around me. You know, I almost died, and that's fine. But Satan throws that temptation our way, and as 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 human beings, as Christians, we're we're hardwired to want to do the wrong thing, right? We're hardwired to say, well, you know, that looks pretty enticing, and we fall into that temptation. But God's saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter what you're doing now. It doesn't matter what you'll ever do. He says, I'm here. I've died on the cross for you. I just want you to bring your life to me so you can run that race. I want you to run that race and I want to run it with you because I love you and I care for you. And that's why that's exactly why I died on the cross so you could be with me for eternity. <clears throat> so I'll, um, I'll close this out in prayer. And then as, as we go into the, the last song, um, I just think I think we should... We should just open our hearts up and, and, and want God to just pour, pour in our hearts and, and touch us like only He can. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. Help us spread the word by rating and sharing this podcast.